Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. Once again, I'm having a conversation with Tom Casey, whose collaborative partners are in touch, in touch with many, 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 many senior leaders of all kinds of enterprise, in part because they're serving them as consultants. And what are they serving them? Among many things that you'll learn from Tom is a look at what's coming next. What's next? And boy, who wouldn't want to know that answer? Now, Tom's not claiming absolute accuracy in that answer, but he is substantiating in our conversation today that they have been noticing trends in particular in this case around attracting and retaining the workforce that have probably in our lifetime never been more poignant because this is a moment when people are deciding, having saved their lives one way or another for this moment, that they want to be sure that they spend their lives wisely in that regard whenever they're employed for a practice that they care to grow they want to be employed in a different way than perhaps I've ever heard before, at least as a matter of emphasis. So let's listen to Tom rather than have me steal his thunder. He's got lots of thunder to offer us. This is Tom Casey. I would like to say by popular demand, Tom Casey is back for another podcast conversation. Uh, and, and in ways, it is a popular demand because, well, sometimes we never know how many people listen. I know at least one person, uh, Carol, who said, please, please, let's have another Tom Casey. OK, Carol, this is for you. <laughs> well, Tom is uh, the uh practice manager, I was think probably be one designation for uh, the uh, collaborative partners. To make sure I get that right, Tom, correct me right now. Discussion partner collaborative. I got it right, wrong, yep. right? But, mm-hmm. but uh, and, and built this uh, very unique uh, organization that has tendrils and a good sense mm-hmm. of tendrils. Uh, mm-hmm. They're always, uh, while they're doing their work, putting out their feelers, doing a lot of trend analysis and things that come out, you know, in the, in the atmosphere, but also have a feel for what's actually happening in quotes on the ground. Right. And uh, I, I think that makes Tom a unique observer and uh, interpreter, if you will, of what's going on these days in the way of practice. Uh, and particularly the practices related to being a senior leader in a, in a, a crazy, crazy time. And beyond that, people who are saying, hey, you know, I'm not growing in this work. I need to be somewhere where I can grow, which is a signal to me that they have a sense of practice in them, that they want to continually improve and not just rely on it, on the employer setting to do that for them. So, Tom, welcome back. And uh, did I mess up your introduction? (laughs) No, no, but I I, I feel the need to uh, thank Carol, apparently my only listener, (laughs) and uh, also to share a, uh, you know, back in the long ago story through uh, my sister's then husband, Mm -hmm. to uh, hang out in New York Saturday Night Live days, early days. And there was a segment I vividly remember. Jim Belushi was the host and it was called Hello, Trudy. 
<laughs> and uh, apparently Trudy was the only uh, television watcher for his show. So I'm, I'm feeling somewhat like Jim Belushi as we continue uh, into this. But no, thank you very much, David. It's great to be back with you. What's what's going on out there? This is, well, I think it's February 1st, 2022, two years We've all <laughs> survived so far and geez, what's going on out there? Well, I think that there's, there's so many, you know, where do you start? We could go to the Ukraine. We could go to, uh, you know, the COVID resurgence. We could go a lot of different ways, but I think that the one that is getting people's attention right now is the ability to find and keep good people. Yes. Okay. I mean, as recently as today, which was February 1, uh, CNN had an article and it was talking about the numbers that came out from last year. 73 million jobs created, but uh, and about 65 uh, million people who left the workforce, all, almost 45 million of them left voluntarily. Okay. That's a big number. <laughs> it, it, it's huge. It's huge. And, and you know, I mean, the... the the thing that, that, that you and I have talked about in the past, and I just want to reset here, is Discussion Partners at its core is a research advisory firm. Yes. Okay, we, we try to do via our Pulse Survey Network and our relationships, try to, to try to stay a chapter ahead of what a problem might be. Mm-hmm. And beginning in April 20, and we were just going into the um, uh, COVID lockdowns, the, what we began to see in our discussions with our clients through what, uh, a practice we have on executive transitions, these are the people who are focused on succession planning and the executives themselves in terms of what are they going to do after they uh, leave their companies. Mm-hmm. What we began to sense in this group of people was an acceleration. The people either had already decided or were thinking, I'm not going back. Because of a life is too short mentality, mm-hmm. or if I do go back, I'm not going to stay long. So we we started monitoring that because we were very uh, clear that it was going to impact uh, succession plans for our clients, high potential development plans. We had a book that came out on uh, leadership development, the next curve to flatten, right around that time. Mm-hmm. focusing on the high development plans. But now what you've seen coming into the late 2021 is everybody's got a title. The Wall Street Journal refers to it as the Great Resignation. McKinsey, never to be outdone by the uh, media, calls it the Great Attrition. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, discussion partners internally, we refer to it as the now what. Yeah, I think that's the, that's probably the most poignant one. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we can't let McKinsey have all the fun. But the the thing that we're really focused on is there's been so many misperceptions. One level of misperception was that uh, this labor shortage would be resolved when the generosity of the social benefits that were being provided due to the pandemic went away. That wrong. The other issue here is that the demographics, the birth rate versus the death rate versus the uh, job rate favored the employer. Wrong. Okay, we'll use David, you and I are baby boomers, and I've used this number with you before, is I think there was over 70 million of us born, but my children's generation, there were only 46 million. 
Yeah. So a reasonable person can assume that the people some companies are looking for, particularly management levels, you know, they were never born. The third issue here is that there's a whole group of people out there that just have decided that they don't want to work at all. That's also erroneous. We, we don't, that's not what we see. They're making some decisions as to where they want to work. And they're also making as many informed decisions as who they no longer want to work for. So when you're seeing that migration of people who are voluntarily leaving work, it, it's, it's a little bit, you know, of, of the, the social metaphor is, yeah, I want to work. I just don't want to work for that dude or do that. <laughs> you know, back to the life is too short issue. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, there's, there's very few people who can't pick up the press and um, they just can see all of this opportunity. They see all the turbulence. And it's not that they're working. They're in transition. They're trying to figure out where they want to work, who they want to work for, what their aspirations are. Uh, mortality is, is instead of something that's a, a passe is now a front of mind for many people. Okay. You can't point right. to anybody, whether it's the domestic U.S. or the global workforce, that hasn't been impacted by COVID uh, through loss, either a loss of a close one, a loss of a family member, a loss of somebody they knew. You know, and it's very personalized. I was I was stuck in Peru, where my wife and I live uh, during the December through April point, and I contracted COVID. And Peru's doing everything right. You couldn't be outside without a mask. You couldn't go into a building without being double masked. And you had to show proof of vaccination. Yet I still got COVID. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fortunately, no symptoms. Now testing negative. But, you know, that personalized it for me. And yeah. I know it is for a lot of your listeners, David. Absolutely. So if you, if you look at the great resignation, I want to give you a case study. Okay. Um, I started giving speeches again, uh, live speeches back in July of 21. Everybody's staying away from me and I'm really staying away from them. And, but you know, you, you give these small speeches now instead of microphones, you just have to yell so people can hear you because they're so far away. But one of the people came up and he was trying to fill 150 health care slots. And this man told me that he had done everything. LinkedIn, as an example, posted the job, was paying rock star sign-on bonus salaries, didn't get one applicant. Wow. And we're starting to hear that story a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, that it's to, and we've talked in the past, David, is we, when you go into a chaotic situation, it is best to presume the only rules are there are no rules. So you better create your own. Yeah. Yeah. And we've come up with five in the now what category consultants. We have to have a, a, an approach. Sure. You know, periodically, sort. we actually get paid when we communicate it. Sort, sort things out for people right. uh, and give them something to think about. Yeah. The first, the first one, frankly, is they need to embrace the horror. <laughs> okay. The, the fact is that there, there are too many jobs out there that are not going to be filled anytime soon because it's just not enough people to fill them for one reason or another. The predominant ones are people are trying to reflect on who they want to affiliate with for very good reasons. That's the principal one. The other one that we are saying is material to this discourse is the birth rate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they need to embrace the horror that this is not something that is going to go away. Second is there is not enough money in the world that will 
be the inflection point by which people will make a decision and stay indefinitely. So one problem is you may not get them in the door the first place. Second is unless they see the employee deal being very attractive, the money is irrelevant, they'll leave. So you may fix your problem short term, but you still haven't solved the problems that you have long term. Third is to us, it's all about the leadership of the organizations. Do the people that are coming in and choosing to affiliate, if you can get them, do they believe that the leaders of that organization have their back? Are they promoting that person, that, 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 that interest of the enterprise? Because, the, and this is where we come up, is leadership right now is an issue of quid pro quo. Hmm. Okay, it's not, you know, you should be thankful you have a job. It is, if you really want me to be motivated, this is what I need. Very different and conversation, if, right? In our, uh, in our it, experience. It's a very different conversation. And the thing is that, you know, it's best for the leader to initiate that conversation than just presume it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. The fourth issue here for us is the criteria that we are seeing that leaders need to be, become expert at is empathy. I was reading, I was reading a book and I'm not going to, it's a congressman. I don't want to uh, uh, name the author. He was, he had just um, uh, been involved with one of the uh, impeachment trials. Mm -hmm. And as he was uh, uh, driving away, he got a call from President Biden. And uh, the call was not about, you know, how well you did as a lawyer. That was honorable mention, but it was all about the loss of his son. That's right. He had just lost it before that hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It does. Um, uh, the congressman from New York. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't want us to get copyright problems. So I think it rather. No, that's uh, fine. Uh, I, I think most people are aware of this gentleman now. And true. Also and that kind of compassion. I did not realize that. It, I did not realize until I read it in his book uh, over the weekend. Okay. But, and in Biden, president Biden lost his son as well. So, you know, that's, that's a, a pure instance of empathy and compassion. Now let's translate that into the workplace. I'm not saying that people have to do anything like that. What I am saying is leaders can't have a reputation of being cold and uncaring. Okay, they may not want to be the consoler in chief, but they really can't be Darth Vader either. <laughs> okay, so they, they better do a reset in terms of how they're coming across. Absolutely. Or alternatively, and this is, this is something you and I have talked about privately, is if you know you don't have the skills to do it, take yourself out of the game. Right. You know, become, become the man or woman behind the curtain and let somebody else do it. But recognize, right. unless it gets done by somebody, you're toast. Those are the, 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 the ones that immediately come to mind. And there's, there's, those are the top four. But the fifth one is you really need to be monitoring what's going on in terms of uh, taking societal stance. Hmm. Time Magazine had a, uh, an article that it, it, I think it was about two weeks ago, and it was talking about uh, um, companies in uh, Europe who were taking stands on climate change. 
And there was a term in the article that I that got our attention, which is uh, purpose-built capitalism. Oh, I like that. Purpose-built yeah, purpose-built capitalism. capitalism. In other words, hmm. we're in business. I mean, if you look at Fred, Milton Friedman back in the '70s, the writing is, you know, the the pure the pure rationale for companies is to make money for their shareholders. Yeah, okay, fine, got it. Okay, but we do live in a world that's in, that's unchaotic right now. And there's certain things that are important for people to understand, whether it's for their customers, their employees, or themselves. And what's happening is that or that the employees of organizations are now asking um, their leaders to take a stand. I'm going to, we just released a blog. I think it came out today. I'm not hundred percent certain, but I'm going to use discussion partners as an example. Uh, our group, our average age is 67 the political constituency is moderate Republican. Uh, over 50% of the people that I work with are veterans. Okay. And we deliberately do not talk politics. Okay. That's off the table. We will talk about the origin of the species, um, you know, religion, anything. We just don't talk politics. I mean, during um, the previous administration, it became too intense. Mm-hmm. But what, what's happened is in the recent past, you know, we started talking more about it, regardless of your political persuasion. What is the thing that's bothering you the most? Okay. And frankly, it was voting voters rights. That's right. That was one of the things that unanimously of the 60 some odd people that I'm interacting with the most that's bothering us. So fine. It bothers us. Now what? Yeah. So we're all on this quest to do something about it. We're in different states, in some cases, different countries. But, you know, there's an issue here, proactivity. And we're being very uh, um, uh, clear with our clients. We're being very clear with the people that are affiliate companies, the media that cover us, that this is really irritating us, that something like this is even a debatable point in countries that want to call themselves democracy. That's right. Smarten up. So those are the those are the five things that that we're the data tells us are on people's minds, and and as uh, advisors to people who are thinking through what's the best moves for their company, we want them to be thinking like this. I'm, I want to throw in another uh, auxiliary uh, factum that comes to my mind that's different than two years ago. And that is that the person who you want to retain and or attract, depending on the the assignment, can work anywhere, can live anywhere Mm -hmm. and work for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, I mean, certainly looking down (laughs) through my window all the way to the Hartford with these tall office buildings, the travelers, the signers and all the rest, it was, just you just had to get into car and you had to take a lousy commute and you had to be in that office, whatever was going. I think that's pretty much dissolved now. Have you seen that? I sure have. Yeah. From the, from afar, the, at least. And therefore, the, it's a, a, another challenge on top of everything else. You can say, hey, look, I'm going to make you a lovely office here. <laughs> no, yeah. I'd rather not. I want to live in yeah. in Maine, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that, uh, you know, you have whole states that are trying to build up infrastructure to be yeah. a place to go living remotely. Kansas is one. 
Yeah. Okay. So there, but there's a thought leader that we follow and have a relationship, a very cordial uh, relationship with Dr. Linda Gratton from the London Business School. Yeah. And she, read, she read a couple of her books. Right. The Hundred Year Life, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, she and her um, author partner, I think, is Dr. Andrew Scott. Linda had, Dr. Gratton had the cover story in the Harvard Business Review back in June. And I mean, it's a great cover story. It's an executive wearing slippers. Okay. It was on, on the cover of the magazine. Um, and, you know, her point of view that she's basing all this research that she's doing, her associates are doing. Um, she was the sponsor of the Hotspots movement. Uh, but, you know, what they're basically saying is if you can't figure out a way to do hybrid, if not fully remote, then you're at a disadvantage in terms of attraction and retention. So if I take your point, David, I I I, uh, I collaborate or I, I link it to the research that we're monitoring and from somebody I really respect, the 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 the, the and she and Tammy Erickson, who she Tammy and I go back to the '90s, would say the same thing that it's it's not about it's not about the worker only. It's now about the deal. Yeah, let's talk about that because you mentioned that and my ears pricked up. You know, you can't see them pricking up because I'm wearing a headset. But uh, you talked about the, the deal as it's now money is, is used to be the deal. And now it's may even be incidental to the deal. So what are you uh, and your partner seeing in the in the uh, crystal ball of the best deal you can offer so far? I think it, it, I, I don't think there's any one solution. Okay, I think that the, the issue here is it's it's what we call co-creation. Mm. Okay, co-creation, the role architecture for the job, co-create how the job gets done location wise and otherwise. Co-create through discussion. The type of leader you want to work for and make sure that leader knows it. Don't just complain somebody's a turkey and leave, you know, confront them. <laughs> Okay, he or she may be moving very fast, okay, for, for obvious reasons, very fast. And they may, may be unaware that there's something that they could be very easily correct that is aggravating people. So you co-create that discourse. Don't be shy. The other issue here is co-create what type of stand that you, that is important to you and that you want your company to know is important to you and see if they're going to help you out. So this that. idea... The, the co-creation is don't don't rely on the leaders to do it on their own, because frankly, as you and I know, David, is the, the, the biggest complaint we hear from the C-suite is I just don't have any time. That's even less now than before, because they're for the fires that, that they used to be yeah. able to put yeah, out, I mean, you know, they're in a conflagration now. The, you know, everybody's everybody's drinking from the fire hose right now based on everything else. OK, yeah. so there, there's there is almost a social responsibility, I believe, on the part of uh, uh, employees to raise their hand and say, if you could slow down for a minute, I'd like to talk to you about this. I like that. I like it a lot. It really puts a pin on the on how well uh, that employee is at conversation, at at actually holding someone's attention, getting one's point across. And we're not talking about a PowerPoint conversation here. No, 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 no. We're no, talking we're about we're talking you about. and I are doing right now. Just yeah. uh, if the if the uh, responsible leader is 
in the conversation, his or her job is to listen and take as well as give and vice versa. And there's been this power imbalance for decades, generations, Tom. Right. So we're asking the remaining workforce, <laughs> the, the 40 right. million less uh, than before, to really um, get smart real quick and become more clear real quick and be courageous. There was a, there, there's a thought leader, Noel Titchy, and he wrote a book back in the nineties uh, uh, that, that, that I, I still find to be impactful. Uh, and uh, it was control your destiny or somebody else will. Yeah. yeah. Now what, what, what Dr. Titchy was, was saying at the time, was he was talking and was using General Electric as the case study about how the leadership at General Electric needed to manage General Electric. What I would take to view is that if I could use exactly those same words and translate it to the message that I would give the employee, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change an apostrophe. It is you control your own destiny or somebody else will. Mm -hmm. Okay, it just won't be you. And given the desperate times that organizations are in right now to find and keep good people, if you had had a point of view on how things can work out to your advantage, now's a good time to raise your hand and tell somebody about it. One of my nephews is, a, uh, is a, um, involved with Veterans Affairs at Comcast. Okay, he's a uh, lieutenant colonel in the Army Reserve, two trips to Iraq. One of the smartest and of my very large American Irish family, the one whose moral compass has always stood out to me since he was a little boy. Okay. And I see on LinkedIn and I see on um, uh, some of the correspondence he and I have privately, how committed that organization is to veterans affairs, what they are doing for veterans. That's not just out of the goodness of their heart. It's just because it's good business. Good business. And um, uh, it's working. But, you know, what, what my nephew uh, is doing is making sure that they're out there talking to the veterans. What do you need? They're, not, they're just not offering up a solution. They're not doing that. You know, he and I had this conversation. This isn't filled of dreams where Kevin Costner is going out there. If you build it, they will come. You know, so they're coming and saying, what are, what are the types of things that you need in order to make this an attractive place to work? So they're co-creating with a constituency that they already have or they want to recruit more of on what that solution looks like. Well, I think that's I think that's terrific, because what you're saying is that within their leadership structure, there's your nephew who has a commission, if you will, to sure. go out and ask those questions and mean it right. and faithfully bring back what they're saying and make sure that it's heard and that the people who sent him out there meant it too. So I can't imagine that he would put up with tokenism or anything else on the part of the senior folks. If he were in conversation with them and they say, well, just to give them this and leave us alone. We no, I, I think that's probably going to be one of the most important roles. We used to say, Tom, to jump around here, that middle management was going to go away. Remember that trend? We all talked about it. And then somewhat it happened, the flattening of organizations and all of that. Well, I used to think that there's someone there who, if it, if you kept her or him in that in that inter, in that link pin role between the you know the decision makers and the people getting the job done, 
and really, really give that person um, authority to listen and to get some things done, that that would have been uh, a good thing to keep. Well, now I think it's time to bring that role back. <laughs> what do you well, think I of that? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think it ever really went away, but now it's becoming much more uh, uh, of an advocacy role. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the one of the things that that uh, I was referring to is is that within our community here, voting rights seems to be the concern. Okay, and and one of the references that I use is, oh, way back in the day, there was a singer. He was kind of more known for his comedic songs. It was a guy named Ray Stevens. He wrote Guitar Zan, um, The Silver Streak, or The Streak, I think, or something like that. I mean, really kind of funny songs. But he also yeah. wrote some meaningful songs. America, uh, Everything is Beautiful. But one of his songs that didn't get a lot of play uh, was uh, America Communicate With Me. And there's a stanza from it. There's a stanza from it, you know, that it's basically saying, I'm tired of all your protests. They're getting out of hand. All you politicians, you don't seem to understand. And I'm just a man in the middle doing the best I can. Yeah, there you okay. go. Now we're now, right to the moment. <laughs> and, in you know, this is where this is whether it's purpose built capitalism, whether it's becoming more engaged, whether it's whether, uh, as an individual in the, in the socio-political systems, if it's or it's companies asking their employees what's important to you, like veterans from from a place like Comcast, my nephew is involved with, mm-hmm. you know, folks. If we don't do this, it's really not even a question of where we where will we be if we do this. It's really a question of where we be if we don't. And and you know the other thing, David, and, and I'm so sorry. I'm going to sound you know evangelical about this. Shame on us. Shame on us if we as as older leaders, you know, older baby boomers, if we don't if we don't take a stand on this and say you know smarten up. Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I, I have this feeling that so much of my labor, our labors that were put in effect over many, many years, particularly in the social justice and some of the areas that I worked in, uh, building people mm-hmm. up, empowerment, all of those things, I, I don't want to see them erased and crushed for the future generation. And yet... In the matter of voting rights, for example, if you if you quiet down a third or more of our of the people who have voices by denying them access to votes, uh, it's changing the things yeah. for the worse. So and as a point, in fact, but mm-hmm. yeah. And, and so I, as with a few minutes left, I, I want to uh, talk about you. Could, personally. Could, could I can I respond to that just for a oh, second? Oh, absolutely. Is, sure. I'm, I'm really... the one on my soapbox right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 the, it's the age thing and the white hair that people can't see on both of us. But the thing is, one of the things on voting rights that, that I remember, you know, is, as you know, David, one of the things we always advise C-suite leaders is to understand your history. And one of the things, and there's going to be a documentary on CNN pretty soon about President Johnson. And I remember reading once about after the um, Civil Rights Amendment that Johnson shepherded through, okay, uh, from that, that was uh, he picked up from President Kennedy was the Voting Rights Act of '65, and he was a little anxious about you know stacking too much in the civil rights, and he was more concerned about getting a pushback from uh, uh, Congress. And he met with Dr. King, 
And uh, and President Johnson, who was was the, the penultimate vote counter, okay, said, "I'm not sure I have the power to push this through." Okay, now here's the president of the United States. <laughs> and as uh, Dr. King left this office, left the office, somebody said to him, "Now what do we do?" He says, "We go get him the power." And this is where you saw a lot of the advocacy for voting rights. And, and there's so many other causes in addition to voting rights, climate change, so many others. But we're just, just focusing on that to prove the point. The employees have the power now. It's not something that they, you know, they just got lucky as a constituency. And if they really want to be transformative and they really want to help their organizations grow and posture, prosper, excuse me, you know, leverage it and talk to the leaders and let them know what's important to you. But I interrupted you, David. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm nodding. Amen. Uh, I, okay. I think that is the, we've had a great conversation. And I think that sort of brings us to the point that we started with, that there is this uh, rare, rare opportunity for anyone who's in any form of practice, including mm-hmm. independent contractors to assess their own value and their own terms right. and then look to see who can match those value requirements mm-hmm. uh, as an employer, as a client, you name it, but do the assessment and, and be surprised how much you have there that you mm-hmm. didn't even know you had because you never had to really um, make that kind of difficult uh, penetrating uh, mm-hmm. self-searching, answering to the question, what have I got that if I die, no one will ever get to use again? And I think it's as pointed as that because there are young people whose friends are de- have died in this, in this mess. Sure. And they're sobering up too and thinking, hmm, uh, if I die, I can't do anything else, can I? No, you can't. It's over. So let's, sure. let's talk about uh, honest, uh, courageous, and maybe even enjoyable opportunities uh, to, to find yourself a better place in the world. And, uh, and I, I wonder, and as I'm asking you in the last minute here, Tom, what you, you, uh, you just keep going and uh, why not just go to your nice place in Peru and sit on the beach and, you know, do any have beaches in Peru? <laughs> sit oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sit yeah, and look nice at the mountains nice uh, and, and just yeah. like say, okay, you know, my work here is done. Uh, or, or would you rather just keep at it? And if so, what do you think yourself and your partners are going to be doing in the next months? Well, the, the, the same thing that the executives were working with at that practice we're, we're talking about, Mm-hmm. David, the executive transition practice. And then it, it resonates with me because of my age and my background. But, you know, and that plus the triple espressos I have repeatedly <laughs> during the day. But the, the, the thing that is that what a lot of people in the executive levels are doing right now is they're making decisions where they control their calendar. And they're working on those things, social responsibility, NGOs, advisory writing, teaching, uh, super temp CEOs, all of the above. What's happening is a lot of people are just essentially get to the point in life and they have the luxury, as do I, of saying, all right, 
I'm very interested in how things work. I mean, you know, when you're dead, you're dead forever. And I want to make an impact in the meantime. So I'm going to focus on the time, my time and energy, as long as I'm still here on those things that are important to me, but I'm going to do it on my terms. And that's the advice that I would, uh, I think Anthony um, Hopkins had a quote at some point, and I, and I uh, hopefully I'm paraphrasing it right. He, somebody, he said, you know, we're all going to die someday, make the most of it in the meantime. It was something like that. And the, I don't think sitting on a beach for me would be making the most of it. <laughs> Nor for me. Here I am uh, six years into retirement and I, have, I haven't right. not worked a day since I yeah. retired. But it's been good because I had the chance to choose with Peter Vale, who was in the same place in his life. He saw that it was a clear ending coming for his life. And so he said, I believe mightily that people need to have a higher understanding and appreciation of practice practice itself. And the people who are making the commitment to elevate their efforts in a continuous way, I want them to have more credit, but I also want them to be supported in becoming ever better learners. That was Peter's mission is now it's mine. Uh, You thankfully have read some of Peter's writing to see how important Mm -hmm. that was to him to get that message out. So yeah, let's let's keep making it. I'll I'll share something personal. uh, Personal. Yesterday I had a uh, really bad experience with railroad signalization that wasn't working and I found myself crossing when the train was coming now fortunately i was able to fortunately i was able to back up but you know and i I picked my wife up at the airport she got stuck trying to get back to boston from peru Mm -hmm. and i was saying jesus really bad okay and she goes well why do you think you're still here wow okay Wow. And I got to tell you, David, the first thing that came to mind, and you know, my wife was, well, I've got a podcast with David tomorrow. Maybe that's. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the right, that's the right question. That was the right question. It's yeah, not, oh, I'm right. so sorry, you know, lucky. Da, da, da. Yeah, okay, do. You know, I mean, wow. there's other people who weren't as lucky. Wow. Well, I have to tell you that I'm sure that Carol is going to very much appreciate this conversation. And one day I'll tell you, I'll tell you her last name and you can, you can, but you know, right now it's, it's a podcast for Carol and anyone else who's listening is going to have great benefit. Tom, thank you. Really. Thank you. And I'll be back. You know me, I'll be knocking on your door. It's great to see you, David, and talk to you. And please extend my regards to Carol. <laughs> bye bye now. I will. Bye bye. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon.